Tonight we're going to look at living the deeper life. Um, it is so easy to think about life in roles. Um, I'm a parent, uh, you know, I'm a father, I'm a husband, a pastor, and we can function, you know, we can focus upon those roles in specific ways, how to improve that. And tonight we're going to look at the scripture tells us that the roles really function out of the relationship when it's right. And the relationship is our relationship with God, living God. And we're going to look in Hebrews 10, 19 through 26 tonight, or 25 tonight. And um, let's uh, stand in God's honor if you find that. Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. I read, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled cleanses from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let's pray. Father, that day is approaching and your word, the Holy Scriptures tell us that there'll be a day where you will come, Lord, and we will be with you. And Father, what we think is real and what we think is going to last forever, it will fade. Um, As it says in this same letter to the Hebrews, that it's like a shadow that only gives a, a glimpse of what's real. And that's you. And that's eternity. And Father, one day we're going to step out of this earth suit that we now live in. And we're going to be in eternity. And Father, being with you, that's what matters most. And Father, too often we forget or we um, do not realize, Father, how urgent it is to think about you and so I pray tonight as we take some time to look at your word and to be reminded of of why we're here and father what the focus is of of our calls I'm just guide us in this time lord for your purpose in Christ's name we pray amen Um, it's about Jesus the book of Hebrews. Matter of fact, um, if you look at the first four chapters of Hebrews, it says that Jesus is superior to the angels. That when you look at all of creation, everything is by Jesus. He sustains all things. He created all things. And then you go from chapter 5 
through chapter 10, verse 18. And it talks about the priesthood. And, and as you look in the Old Testament, there is this picture of the Levitical priesthood that was set up in the Old Covenant with a bunch of rules and a bunch of regulations. And then there's that comparison that describes the true priest, Jesus Christ, is our priest. And a priest is one who goes between God and man. Who is that bridge between God and man. And it speaks about the priesthood of Jesus. How he is the one who is our go-between. He is our mediator. He, he is that priest who is there for us forever. That wonderful priest. And, and then from 1019 to the end of the book. It talks about Jesus. And how faith in him and trust in him. Gives us strength to persevere and to endure no matter what we face. And I want to start the, the first couple of verses. I want to look at our position in Christ. Our identity. Part of the problem that we have as Christians is we forget who we are and whose we are. We belong to the creator of all. We belong to God himself. We are his children. And the Bible says, yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. He invited us into his family. He adopted us, as it says in Galatians, to become his children, his very own. And, it, it, you know, what a thought that that is in his position. And, and look at our text here first, that we have a confidence to enter the holy place through Jesus. Look at verses 19 and 20. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. In the old covenant, once a year, in a place called the Holy of Holies, the most holy place, the high priest, he was the one that was chosen and anointed, appointed by God to enter on behalf of the sins of the nation of Israel and to come into that holy place and to provide an offering, not just for him, but for all of God's people. It was an impossible task. And, and when he went in there to go before God who was so holy, there was no guarantee he was going to come out alive. It was a serious matter. It wasn't something to be taken lightly. It was to go in with fear and trembling. Um, matter of fact, uh, we'll turn to Exodus 33, where we see in the scripture um, where Moses is in the presence of God. And he is sharing a conversation with God. I'm going to start at verse 19 and go through verse 23. And it, it gives us a glimpse of that holiness of God and, and, and coming into his presence according to the old covenant. Uh, Exodus thirty three nineteen. the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion, because he's God, and we don't deserve his mercy, his grace, his forgiveness, but he's compassionate. Verse 20, but he said, you cannot see my face for no one may see me and live. 
See, there, there's a picture of that old covenant that God in His perfect holiness, and because we're sinners, we cannot look directly into His face. And, and He shares that uh, with His servant, Moses. His great servant, Moses. Verse 21, the Lord said, There's a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see, not my face, but my back. My face must not be seen. You see, the only way to protect Moses was to be covered by God's hand because he couldn't look upon the brilliance and the glory of God because it was just too much. And yet we are called here in Hebrews 10 verse 19 to enter the most holy place where the high priest was afraid to enter as he gave these gifts because it said in the old covenant you can't look upon the face of God and live because he's so holy. And yet we're called directly to enter into his very presence. And to be honest with you, that's always been such an humbling thing to me as I think about that. You know, in Hebrews 4, I think, uh, turn back with me to Hebrews 4. So I try to get the address in my head. I'm pretty sure it's 4. I want to say 16, but I'm not completely sure. Uh, yeah, it's 16. Hebrews 4.16. Similarly, he says, Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. When we think about God, He invites me. Guys, He knows me. He, 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 he knows us when we're not putting on our church face. You know what I'm saying? And he says, you can come to me with confidence. Wow. I mean, that's, that's just amazing stuff to me as, as I think about it in the scriptures. But look at verse 20. Um, he tells us, by a new and living way. <laughs> that word new in the Greek comes from a word that originally meant freshly slain. So what a picture by that new way, freshly slain. And of course, you know what comes to mind, the cross. This way, it's by the cross. It's by the crucifixion. By his scars, we are healed. He paid that price. And, and then he goes on and, and he says, by a new and living way, of course, we know that Freshly slain was not the end of the story because he was resurrected. He came out of the grave. He was alive. How was this accomplished? Through the curtain. That is his body. It's a picture of his perfect sacrifice that paid the way. It makes me think of Matthew twenty-seven fifty-one. You know where it talks about that at the moment of his death. When he said it is finished. That, that curtain that was in the Holy of Holies. It was split right down the middle. From the top to the bottom. That was making a great declaration. That no longer are we separated from God. But that we may directly enter into his presence. That the holy way was made open so that we could come before him with complete confidence. That's how he says to come. 
And then secondly, we have a great priest over the house of God. Look at verse 21. And since we have a great priest. And and the house of God, of course, speaks of us. As we have become God's temple, as he has set up housekeeping in the hearts of his children. Those who have entered into his kingdom, the Holy Spirit comes to make a home. And we literally become his buildings, his house, his people. 725, he abides forever at the right hand of God to intercede for his people. He is a priest who is always for us. And you know that the enemy, the devil, there's that scripture in Revelation that says day and night he's the great accuser. And he's always accusing. And he is so good at it. And I find myself sometimes have these memories of things I've done. And uh, I thought of one today. I was watching a football game. It was an overtime. It was an exciting football game. And all of a sudden, I thought about something stupid I had said to a guy probably eight years ago. And I don't think Cindy heard me. She was over there working on something. But all of a sudden, I said, you idiot. And I was talking to myself. This happened probably eight years ago. I'm watching this. Where did this come from? The accuser. He accuses. He tears us down. He wants to beat us up. But who is Jesus? He is that priest. He is that advocate for us. He died for us. And he is our Savior. He is the one that we cry out to. And and we're called as a result of that, our practice. I want you to look at that. As the one that we can come to, to the holy place, as the one who is our high priest, our mediator, What do we do? What's our practice? Well, we're called to draw near to God in faith. Look at verse 22. Let us draw near to God. And and he gives us four important aspects of what it means to draw near to God. That we want to look at briefly here. To draw near to God, first, we're to come with a sincere heart. The picture here is a heart that has no divided loyalties. It's a true heart. Um, The idea of hypocrisy is that it is not double-minded. You know, what you see is what you get. And that's what God wants. Not a perfect heart, because we're not perfect. We're a work in progress, and sometimes we're a work in regress. But we're His work. And I love that Philippians 1.6. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. The point is not the perfect heart. The point is that we have a heart that is progressing toward him. That he is doing that type of work within us. And so our call, as it says in 2 Corinthians 10 um, verse 5. To take every thought. And to submit it to Jesus. And, and that, that to, to just be honest before him with our hearts. And he'll lead us. And he'll guide us. So it's not that we're perfect. It's that we have a heart to want to obey. And we want to follow him. That's a sign Jesus lives in there. If you're asking the question, am I saved? And God's working with you. He hadn't forgotten you. He's at work. 
Second, there's that full assurance of faith. Hebrews 11.6 tells us, without faith, it's impossible to please God. You're not going to please God without faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So we have to believe he's there. And secondly, we have to believe that it matters to him that we obey him and that he rewards those who obey him. And that is a walk of faith that begins at the moment that we come to the grips with the fact that we are not big enough, strong enough, or able enough to fix everything. And we need help. We need to be forgiven. We need a new heart. We need a savior. We need a deliverer. We need somebody to rescue us. And that's the story of the gospel. God, I cannot be good enough to get to you. So God said, okay, so I'll come to you. And I'll make a way for you. And, and that's, that's the action that comes in faith. And it continues. You know, I love that um, as it talks about how we will be forgiven and the salvation that he brings. That we're saved from the penalty of sin when we receive him. We're saved from the presence of sin as we walk with him. And we will be saved from the very presence of sin when we enter into eternity and are free of it and are with the Savior. Uh, Next, our hearts are sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. This picture of a heart that's sprinkled clean, um, I believe has a reference of of Christ as he covers us with his sacrifice. In Numbers 19 and spoken of in Hebrews 9, 13 and 14, um, there's a reference to the ritual sprinkling of the old covenant where the priest would sprinkle blood from the sacrifice. That was a picture of God covering for the sins of the people. As the priest would sprinkle some of this blood of the sacrifice upon his garments. As a reference to the forgiveness that's available through a sacrifice. Because he said without the shedding of blood there's no remission of sins. As it talks about in the scriptures. And then the fourth description. Of the regenerate person. They think maybe it says our bodies washed with water may be a picture of baptism. A picture of what happens when we make public what started out as private. You see, when you become a Christian, when you begin a relationship with a living God, it's only between you and God. It starts there, but it doesn't ever stop there. When it's real, It starts there because, as they say, there's no grandchildren in heaven, just children. So as a child, you come before God and and you come saying, here I am, honest and open before you, God. And I want to give my heart honest and open to you. And, And that's where it starts, private. But it never stays private because when it's real, it becomes public. And that's the deal with baptism. It is a way of showing publicly, I'm different. I have a changed heart. By going under the water, I am no longer living as if God doesn't matter and doesn't exist. I'm dead to that. If you stay in the water too long, you drown. Come 
out of the water. I'm alive now in a new life, a living way through Christ Jesus, who now has made everything new. I love that 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's what? A new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. There's that picture of the work that he does. Um, this picture of drawing near, it happens as we take time to commune with God through his word and through prayer and through following his lead as the Holy Spirit guides and leads us. Um, and the picture of drawing near is um, from a Hebrew word that literally meant to trample underfoot. And the picture was that when you were going to see your best friend, you went so much to his house that there was a clear path from you walking so much to see this one that you cared about so deeply. Just the path of you going back and forth because that's where you wanted to be. And so the picture, that's the picture here with drawing near to God, that that's where you want to be. God, I need that. Uh, and I love that movie, War Room, you know, where it showed where she had her closet. <laughs> She'd go in her closet, and that was her time with God as she was teaching uh, this other lady how to pray. Uh, you know, it says, have that place not to show everybody I'm a great prayer warrior, but where you learn God. When you spend time with God, where you draw near to God, where there's that well-worn path. Verse 23 um, hold fast to the confession of our hope. Look what he says. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. It is a picture here of the very hope that we have that Jesus is coming back. And the very hope that we have that we're going to be with him. It's a precious hope. It is unswerving hope. We have confidence in. Um, I've told several people lately, I forget who all I tell these things, but listening to Focus on the Family, it's just really struck me a couple of days. Jim Daly's made comments several times over the past few months that they had a um, some believers who, their part of the family was killed by ISIS. They were beheaded. And so Focus on the Family had made a commitment to go and to help build several houses for these families. And so they went over. I don't know, it was like eight to ten houses, small houses they built for these families. And uh, the guy who was a leader in this country, Jim Daly asked him, well, um, how did it go? It went well. Well, tell me about the families. He said, well, they were crying. And Jim said, well, wow, I guess they were crying, losing their loved ones. He said, oh, no, 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 no. They told me, they said they were crying because they couldn't believe they were worthy enough to suffer for the cause of Christ. And Jim Daly just, he just broke down. He said, Wow. We don't know what that's like, do we? I don't want to talk about what I would do or how bold I'd be. I imagine myself a big chicken. 
but I pray that with the very Spirit of God, He would provide the courage as He's done in these brothers and sisters all over the world. It it was so, so amazing, um, this podcast. Cindy and I were talking about the other day that we'd listened to, and the guy was just sharing about what the Lord is up to all over the world. It's just amazing what he's doing. And I remember one podcast, it really caught my attention, where the guy was talking about, you know how we talk about, one of these days, when I get up to heaven, I'm going to talk to Paul and Peter and the other apostles, and I want to know, what was it like? What was it like? What was it like? And uh, this guy went on, he said, do you realize, he said, in 24 countries of the world, where the gospel is literally exploding. And by the way, North America is not one of them, obviously. Africa, Asia, and South America, it's just amazing how people are coming to Christ. He made the point, he said, in those 24 countries, there's always a Pentecost. You know, we think 3,000 came to the Lord in one day. We, those between the between the 24 countries, there's always a Pentecost. Now, that's some exciting stuff. And the guy made a point. He said, um, you know, he said, I got to thinking about that. And I thought, well, it may be when we get to heaven, Peter and Paul and, and some of these other apostles will come to us and say, what was it like? What was it like? Man. The, the, the hope. And... Oh, he, Jim Daly also said he had asked uh, some people overseas. He said, how do you pray for us? And they were kind of embarrassed. And they said, well, to be honest with you, we pray that the church in America will fall under persecution. Ow. I don't pray that. Why? When all you guys, Jesus, he's enough. To hold fast here, it, it implies there's something trying to Wrench free the, the hold of Jesus, the grip of Jesus. And he's saying, hold unswervingly. Why? To that hope. Verse 24, he says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. So there is a call here, an exhortation here. That we as believers, that we as family may spur one another on to love. They will know we are his, how by the love we have for one another, that we will really love him. And the sign of that is, guys, that we will love one another. It's interesting here. um, In the book of Romans, there's all these one another uh, verses. In the book of Hebrews... This is our only one another verse. Verse 23. The only one in the book of Hebrews. Where he tells us. uh, Spur one another. Toward love. And good deeds. The context. The picture here. Is encourage people. To love Jesus. To come alongside give aid, to build up, to let people know their love. Um, you know, I love that. As we were greeting, uh, Bob came up to me and he said, Preacher? I said, Yes, sir. He said, I love you. I just want to tell you. I said, well, I love you too. 
kind of stuff we're talking about. Or a hug. Or, I don't know. Just don't wish you had said those things. You know, do those things. Uh, that's the kind of stuff we're commanded to do. Okay, a couple of points among this as I close here. First, um, you are your brother's keeper. Or in other words, love means that we do need to be involved in, with each other. If we see somebody who's slipping, the idea is not to beat them down. <laughs> the idea is to be honest with them and just love them. I've always found that if you have to rebuke somebody, do it privately. If you want to praise, then find a way to do that publicly. But if it's something tough, you don't want to embarrass anybody. But if you love them, you want to pull them aside and say, you know, I'm worried about you. You're not as involved as you were in serving God. And it, it, I'm worried about you. And I love you. Those things can be hard to do. But it's part of love. And he encourages us for that. Uh, second, it implies um, knowing each other more than a superficial level. It's easy to come to a worship service and to leave. It's a little harder to leave together, isn't it, after the worship service and to spend time with each other outside of the here. And... You know, one one thing I do love about you guys, um, I think there are some relationships, good relationships here among the people here. And I think that's vital, and I think that's what God wants. He wants us to really know each other. And then one last one with this. Um, this takes a, a, deliber a deliberate focus. It doesn't just happen. We have to be intentional. I think that's where we all fall down, myself included. We wait for somebody else. Maybe God's talking to us about being that somebody else. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Uh, to go a little bit deeper, Father, as we think about our position in Christ, that we are invited into the most holy of places to commune with the living God. And that we have a high priest who is our mediator, our go-between, so that we can come with confidence and know that we're received. What a blessing. And, Father, as a result of that, we're called to draw near to you, Father. What an awesome opportunity to be your friend, to worship you and to learn from you. And, Father, that connects us to each other because when we grow closer to you, we, we have a love for your people. And that's just the natural product of that. So, Father, do that kind of work in us as a church. Continue to move in us and through us for your glory. That you may be able to, Father, impact lives for the kingdom. Um, we need that, Father. We need to be reminded of that hope. That unswerving hope, Father. I need that. And so just awaken me, awaken my brothers and sisters, and, and, and Father, give us that um, 
awareness of you draw near. Unless you draw near, we can't see. So, Father, I just cry out for that. And as we uh, stand to sing, and Father, just, uh, just, I pray you've spoken to our hearts. And Father, may we just um, obey what you've said, Lord, in response to what you've said. In Christ's name we pray.